0: Our series through 2nd Corinthians and I've, I've loved this series. I've loved uh, looking together at the words of Paul through the book of 2nd Corinthians and so this is the last week of the series and today we're going to be in 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 and let's look at the words of Paul starting in verse 7. Paul writes to the Corinthian church he says therefore in order to keep me from being conceited I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan to torment me then I am strong. I want to give some context to this uh, about the verses before this in in, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul takes a moment to tell the church about some pretty crazy experiences he's had with the Lord. So he kind of takes a moment to tell the church, hey, God is allowing me to see some things that other people don't get to see. Paul started seeing some visions. Uh, God started opening Paul's eyes to see some things in the spiritual realm that we don't get to see with our physical eyes. And so Paul takes the first six verses of this to talk about that. But then Paul lets us know that as he is receiving <clears throat> more from God, he's also being reminded of his weakness. So Paul says, man, I'm receiving more from the Lord. God is entrusting me with his word. But at the same time, God is reminding him of his weakness. Now, the, the, the concept of the thorn in the flesh or this metaphorical thorn um, this is something that we still kind of see as a colloquialism in language today. Someone might refer to, oh, that, that guy, is like a thorn in my side, or oh, that issue at work, it's like a thorn in my side, it's a thorn in my flesh. This passage is what they're referring to, and uh, we don't know specifics about what the thorn was. We know it wasn't a physical thorn. He didn't run into a rose bush and be like, this thing's been in my arm for weeks, you know. Uh, it was a metaphorical thorn. He was referring to a difficult situation. He was facing and scholars speculate that there are a few things this might have been um, some scholars speculate he might have had a physical ailment he might have had an ongoing illness or physical issue um, and it could have possibly been something related to the persecution that he had faced um, some scholars think that he may have had a, a, an issue of temptation in his life a continual uh, issue of temptation in an area And other people speculate that Paul may have had a mental health issue, like depression or anxiety or something like that. Uh, We don't know for sure, and we're not going to take time speculating, but the, the truth is that because Paul was not specific about what this issue was, it allows us to kind of paint our own situation into this passage. It allows us to look at whatever situation we're facing and kind of consider how Paul might have dealt with with a consistent situation in our own lives. And all we know for sure is that Paul did not get the miracle that he was believing for. It says he asked the Lord three times to take this affliction away from him, and Paul didn't get the miracle he was believing for. And that doesn't mean that God didn't hear him, and that didn't mean that God didn't have the intention to use Paul's life, okay? But as we look at this, the question that we're left with and the question that becomes relevant to us is what should you do when you don't get your miracle? What should you do in the situation in your life whether it's a physical issue or it's a mental issue or it's an issue of temptation or some other situation what do you do when you ask for God's help and you don't get the miracle that you're asking for? I want to consider Paul's words today and suggest to you that there's three things we need to do when we don't get the miracle we're asking for. And the first is that we need to keep praying. We need to keep praying. It says, Paul prayed three times for God to take this affliction away from him. I don't know about you guys, but when I think about prayer, um, when I think about prayer, I kind of have a difficulty sometimes when I'm asking for God's help. Um, and there's a lot of books out about prayer. And if you read a book about prayer, more likely than not, the book will tell you why you need to pray. Here's all the reasons you need to pray. And, and you come to a point where you're like, that's great, I get it, now tell me how to do it, right? Um, and so for me, the difficulty that I face is when I'm facing a situation, I have trouble finding the line between when to persevere in prayer, and pray in faith, claim it in Jesus' name, versus saying, okay, God, your will be done, I trust you. I don't know if anybody else has the difficulty finding that balance, but I think it's important to have both sides of it, because the truth is, sometimes we need to press through, in our prayers we need to press through in our prayers sometimes we haven't received the miracle because we haven't asked for it we haven't prayed for it uh, my sister my younger sister is four years younger than me and I like to tease my parents that everything I wanted to do as the oldest kid I didn't get to do but she got to do it um, there was a doll that came out when I was younger an American girl doll Back then there were only five, you know, now there are like 900 of them and you can pick all this stuff. Kids these days have it so easy. But I was desperate for an American Girl doll. I wanted one for Christmas. I knew exactly the one I wanted and there were all these accessories. I wanted Molly, you know, if you know the American Girl doll, she had the braids and the parade. I never got an American Girl doll. But a few years after I wanted one, my sister got an American Girl doll for Christmas. She got the bunk beds that went with it and the dollhouse and the little dog and all this. Like, I went to my parents and I was like, Why did she get this? and I didn't. And you know what the problem was? She asked for one, and I didn't. I didn't ask for one, right? But I was frustrated that I didn't receive what I didn't ask for, and because she asked for it, she got it. So sometimes when we're facing a situation in our life, we look at the Lord and we want Him to intervene, but we never ask Him to intervene. We never ask Him to come through. In our situation, we just sort of assume he'll do what he wants. But the Bible is clear that we need to keep pressing through in our prayers, even when God seems to be silent. There's a really cool story in Daniel chapter 10. Uh, Daniel was a prophet in the Old Testament. And there were several occasions where someone would have a vision or a dream, and Daniel would interpret the dream. God would give Daniel the answer to interpret the dream or the vision. And in Daniel chapter 10, there's this moment where Daniel receives a vision from God and he's like, God, what does it mean? I need you to give me the answer. And God is silent. And it says Daniel, for three weeks, he prayed and prayed to receive the answer from God. He didn't eat. He didn't drink water. It says that he didn't use any fragrant lotions, which probably means he smelled bad, okay? (laughs) So for three weeks... Daniel kept pushing forward in prayer. And after three weeks, he has another vision where a messenger from the Lord, an angel comes to him in a a vision. and the angel says to him, from the first moment that you prayed, three weeks ago, God has heard your prayers and God's been working on your behalf. And the messenger from the Lord said, I was on my way to you with the answer, but there was spiritual opposition. There was a battle that was fought in the spiritual realm. You didn't see it or feel it, But he told Daniel, he said, from the first moment that you prayed, your prayers were heard in the heavenly realms. And there was a spiritual battle, and because you kept praying, the answer came to you. Sometimes we stop praying too soon because we assume God's not going to come through for us. I don't know what would have happened if Daniel had stopped praying after one week. Mm -hmm. Or maybe after two weeks, he goes to someone and he says, I keep praying for this and God won't come through. And the person says, well, why don't you stop praying about it? And trust it to the Lord. But Daniel said, no, I believe God has an answer for me. Mm -hmm. So he pressed through. There was a battle that he was not aware of. If an answer hasn't come through for you yet, it doesn't mean that you're being ignored. Okay? There's a lot that I can't answer about why God does the things he does or, or God's timing. But I know for sure because scripture tells us, God hears your prayers. From the first time you pray for something. If you've been praying for something for years... You should know that from the first time you prayed for that thing, God is storing your prayers. He hears your prayers. He's paying attention to what you're saying to him. It doesn't mean that he's ignoring you if you don't have an answer yet. So sometimes we need to push forward in prayer. And the other thing is that sometimes we need help aligning our hearts to the will of the Father, okay? Sometimes God doesn't give us the answer that we want, but we need God to help us align our will with his will. Paul didn't appreciate the affliction, okay, at first. As he prayed, he asked God to take the affliction. Paul is not like some crazy holy person that's like, oh, I'm, I'm thankful to the Lord for this difficult situation. I'm just thankful. I'm thankful. He, he gets to that point because he spent time in prayer. He gets to the point of being thankful to God for the affliction because of the time he spent in prayer, I want you to know that it's okay for you to be honest with God about your pain. If you're in a difficult situation, it's okay for you to be honest with God about that. It's not a lack of faith to tell God that you don't understand why he's doing what he's doing. That's not a lack of faith. You can be honest with God about your situation. God answers our prayers in accordance with his will, but he wants to hear from us about what we're going through. You don't have to pretend with God. You don't have to put a mask on. You can be honest with him. And I want to give you a, free, a, a few reasons why you need to keep praying. The first one is that prayer is relational. Prayer is about a relationship with Jesus, okay? Prayer is different than a wish. Prayer is different than positive thoughts or good vibes or healing energy, okay? It, it's different because it's about a relationship with Jesus. Positive thoughts are great. It's great to be a positive person. But prayer is not about earning something good with your karma or your... Positive energy, or your good vibes, okay? Prayer is about a relationship with Jesus. When Jesus healed someone in the Bible, if you read the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the stories of Jesus' time on earth, the stories of what Jesus did in his physical body. When Jesus healed somebody, or when he set someone free, it wasn't his vapor or his energy that healed them. He touched them. He touched them with his physical hands. He looked into their eyes. Sometimes if they were someone on the ground, he would take their hands and pull them to their feet. Okay? It was the relationship with Jesus that released healing and freedom into people. It wasn't just an energy. It was the person of Jesus. It was the relationship with Jesus. So when we pray, we enter into deeper relationship with Jesus. And I want to tell you something today. I want to tell you something that's true. The truth is, if you keep praying and not getting an answer or not getting your miracle, it's not that nothing is happening. Every time you do that, you get drawn into deeper relationship with Jesus. And let me tell you something from where I sit in my relationship with Jesus today. I would rather have the relationship with Jesus that I have than have gotten everything I wanted. Because when you pray, even if you don't get what you want, you come to know the heart of the Father more. And I can promise you that down the road in your life, knowing God is worth not getting everything you wanted. Prayer is relational. That's right. When we're in a season of suffering or difficulty, we need to remember that Jesus is near to us. That's right. And that's what that relational prayer does for us. Uh, one of my friends on Instagram posted a picture this week that he and his family were putting their Christmas tree up. I'm American, so my people start decorating for Christmas and like, June, you know, <laughs> and they're like, don't judge me, it's not too soon, and I'm like, it is too soon, um, but they put up their Christmas tree, and he put a caption on that said uh, that they'd never put a Christmas tree up as a family, but his 13-year-old daughter had been asking for 10 years to put up a Christmas tree, and finally they relented, and I put a message on there, and I was like, what kind of Grinch doesn't put up a Christmas tree for their three-year-old, um, but, but she'd asked for a Christmas tree for 10 years. Years over and over and over and over again. If you have kids or if you've ever been around small children, they're not embarrassed to ask for the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Because they understand that they have a relationship with their parents that allows them to keep asking for the same thing over and over. That's right. It's about the relationship that's there. So if you've been asking God for the same thing over and over and over and over, that's okay. That's okay. God's your father. You're his kid. He's not going to get annoyed with you or tired. He's not going to not release the miracle because you kept asking for it. Okay? It's about a relationship. Prayer is relational. Prayer is also vulnerable. When I present my needs to the Lord in prayer, I'm admitting need. I'm admitting that I can't do everything for myself. Right. It's difficult to admit that I need God to come through for me. It's difficult to admit that I've come to the end of myself. But that's just where God wants us. Prayer is vulnerable and prayer is intentional. God has given us free will and we can choose whether or not to follow him mm-hmm. and we can choose whether or not to ask for his help. Prayer doesn't happen by accident. It's an intentional engaging in our will. That's right. One of my favorite prayer models in the Bible, the, the way that I like to pray when I'm facing a difficult situation, I like to follow the prayer model that we find in Daniel chapter 3. And in Daniel chapter 3, we see the story of three of the Hebrew exiles in Babylon, whose names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were faced with a situation where the king said, I've built this great statue of myself, and you will bow to me. And these three men who were exiled in Babylon, they said, we can't do that. We've made a commitment to be obedient to the Lord and to worship no one but God. So we can't do that. And the king says, "Well, I, I've made a law that you'll be executed if you don't bow to me." And they say, "We understand that. We're willing. We're willing to do, to deal with that." And and the king has this uh, fiery furnace to execute anyone who stands against him by fire. And uh, there comes the moment where where the men are standing there, getting ready to be executed. And the king says. I just want to be sure that you understand what you're getting into. I want to be sure that you understand that you're walking into your death for this. And the three men look at him and they say, Our God can save us. But even if he doesn't, we will never bow to you. Amen. Our God can save us. But even if he chooses not to, we will never bow. We're not going to give in. There have been times in my life that I have prayed... God, I know that you can move in this situation. I know you can take this thorn from me. I know you can intervene. But even if you don't, I will still worship you. Amen. That's the way we need to pray for God to intervene in situations in our lives. God, I know you can do a financial miracle in my life. God, I know you can heal my body. I know you can give me this thing that I'm contending for. But even if you don't, I'm not giving up on you, God. Mm-hmm. I'm going to worship you anyway even if you don't come through we can continue to pray while still accepting reality and listening to what God might be saying to us through it so we have to keep praying the second thing we have to do is we have to keep trusting we have to keep trusting in God Eugene Peterson defines trust as quiet confidence trust is just quiet confidence in God Sometimes we can believe that God is good for other people. Yeah, God is good. I believe God is good. I've seen him be good to other people. But we have a hard time believing that God means to be good to us. Or we can believe that God has good plans for people in general. We've seen it happen to other people. But maybe we have a hard time believing that God has good plans for us. We have trouble with this quiet confidence in God. I love Psalm 112 six through eight, uh, where it talks a little bit about the righteous. The righteous are people who follow God, who are doing their best to be obedient. It says, such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. Those who are righteous do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. How many of you would love to be described that way? I would love for someone to describe me that way. That is born of a place of knowing your source, of knowing that God is who he says he is, and having a quiet confidence in his plans for our lives. When we don't receive our miracle, we trust that we are not forgotten. Trust that we are not forgotten. I want to save you today. God has not forgotten about you. Amen. God has not forgotten about you. Often when someone comes and they say, Pastor, would you pray for me? This is going on. One of the things I love to pray over people is God, remind them that you have not forgotten about them. When we trust God, we remember that he's not forgotten about us. Psalm 139 says that God is with us in every moment. Mm -hmm. The psalmist said, When I sleep, When I get up, when I have a good day, when I have a bad day, when I'm being obedient to God, when I'm sinning, no matter what, God is always there, he's always paying attention, and he's always hearing me. We trust that we are not forgotten. We trust that God is a good God, regardless of our personal situation. No matter what I'm going through, we trust that God is a good God. It's difficult to suffer when you're a believer, because there's something in us that feels... Like, a, like we should be exempt from suffering as believers. We're following God. We're following Jesus Christ. We're sacrificing things to follow him. Things should be going well for us. And what's even more difficult is when we suffer because we're doing our best to be obedient. When we get passed over for a promotion at work, because we're trying to operate by Christian integrity and other people who are cheating their way up and taking advantage of people, they get promoted and we don't or when we're in a relationship with someone we care about and we let the relationship go because we trust Jesus and we're trying to be obedient to Jesus and letting that supersede our personal pleasure for the moment. Mm-hmm. When when our finances suffer and we have the opportunity to steal or to cheat and we don't and because we make that decision, we suffer financially. This is a difficult place yes. to be in. And in these moments we have to continue to trust. Mm-hmm. We have to continue to trust. And sometimes that looks like saying, God, I don't get it. I don't understand your ways, and this feels really unfair, but I'm going to continue to trust you. In Mark chapter 9, uh, there's, there's a story where a father comes to Jesus, and his, his son is sick. His son is dealing with some spiritual oppression. And, uh, and the father comes to Jesus, and he says, my son needs help. He says, Jesus, if you can... If you can, please help him. And Jesus looks at the guy and goes, Do you know who you're talking to? He says, Of course I can. You know I can. Jesus says, Everything is possible for him who believes. And the dad looks back at Jesus and he says, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe. Help my unbelief. In the same breath, this dad says, I believe but also I kind of don't believe. I want to believe, but I'm having a hard time getting there. Or I, I believe in my heart, but I can't quite get there in my head. This is one of the things that keeps people from becoming Christians, is that they say to themselves, there's a lot of stuff about this story that sounds really great, and freedom and Jesus sounds amazing, but I, I can't quite get there intellectually. That's what this guy is saying. He's saying, in my heart, I I believe this to be true. There's something in me that's convincing me that this this is true, but I can't get there intellectually. I believe. Help my unbelief. Sometimes we have to say something in order for our heart to get the picture. Okay. Sometimes we have to say, God, I trust you, even if we don't feel like we trust him. I have to do that. Sometimes when I pray, I have to say, God, I don't understand. This feels unfair but you are good and you are faithful. Sometimes I don't believe it in my heart when I say it, but I say it anyway, Mm -hmm. okay? Sometimes we say, God, I trust you, help my distrust. God, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe you are good, help me that I don't believe you are good. This man models for us that sometimes trust is saying the thing, saying truth, even though our heart is not quite caught up to it yet. The plans and the purposes of God are not for us to know in our timing. But the word says that if we do our best to follow Jesus, God's got our back. That doesn't mean everything's going to go well for us. That doesn't mean we're always going to be rescued from the situation we're in. But it means that God will not see our pain wasted. God will not see our pain wasted. So Paul says hey, if you haven't gotten your miracle, you need to keep praying. You need to keep trusting, and you need to keep going. You need to keep going. Throughout 2 Corinthians, Paul reminds us over and over again that our weakness is not a problem for God. In fact, our weakness is an opportunity for God to display his power. And over and over again throughout his letters to the churches, Paul tells us not to give up. He calls this perseverance. Keep going, he says. And what it means is simply this. Don't give up on Jesus because of your situation. Don't give up on Jesus because of your situation. Because listen, the only hope for your situation is Jesus. That's right. It's not going to help your situation to walk away from Jesus. Your life's not going to be any better if you give up on Jesus and walk away from him. Because Jesus is the only chance you have of getting through your situation. He's your only shot at making it. That's right. If you walk away from Jesus, you'll still be in your situation. And then you'll be alone. Jesus is the only hope for your situation. Paul says, don't give up. Keep going. Persevere. See, Paul was living in this confusing moment where he's having these very deep spiritual experiences, and at the same time, he's praying for something, and God's not coming through. And sometimes we think, the closer I get to God, the easier it's going to be to have my prayers answered. You know? Well, if, if I do this for God then I'm going to kind of build some collateral in my spiritual bank account, and he's going to come through for me when I need him to come through for me. But what Paul understood is that God had a greater plan for him. And the further Paul went into the depths of God, the more God said, okay, you need to rely on me. You need to rely on me and don't fall into the trap of thinking you did this for yourself. You need to remember how weak you are. What Paul understood... And what we need to understand is that if we keep our eyes on the thorn in our flesh, if we keep our eyes on our situation or on the pain or the injustice or the suffering of our situation, we will want to quit. If we keep our eyes on Jesus, we can keep going. Because we remember that we serve a Savior who understands what it is to suffer. He understands pain. He understands temptation. If we keep our eyes on the thorn, we will constantly be disappointed with our lives. I promise you, it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter if you're not a Christian. If you keep your eyes focused on the thorn in your side, you will always be disappointed with your life. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, you will never be disappointed. I don't care what you walk through. I don't care what kind of suffering is in your life. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, there will be a purpose for your pain. He will never disappoint you. That's right. In 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul sends a letter to Timothy, and he says this in verses 11 and 12. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of my suffering. Paul's like, I'll stand up in front of anybody and talk about the stuff I've been through. He says, I'm not ashamed of my suffering because I know whom I have believed. He said, I know whom I have believed. It says in the book of Philippians, you can't know Jesus if you've never known suffering. You can't know Jesus without knowing suffering. The book of Isaiah calls Jesus the suffering servant. If we don't suffer, we don't know Jesus. So we have to engage in it. We have to let God take us through the pain that he wants to take us through. And because Paul engaged with it, he came to know God on a deeper level. He says, I'm not ashamed of my suffering because I know whom I have believed. Confidently trust. And I am convinced he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him. I am convinced He's able to guard what I've entrusted him. Do you know what happens when God speaks that kind of word over you? Is that when everybody else around you looks at you and says, why don't you give up on this Christianity thing? It's horrible. You're single. You can't sleep with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Like, come on, you know? You're, you're not getting promotions at work. All your friends think you're weird. Why don't you give up? And you can say, I know whom I have believed. Amen. And I am Amen.
1: convinced
0: Hallelujah. that he is able to guard what I've entrusted yes. to him. Jesus. See, there are times when we have a thorn in our flesh and we don't understand, and we have to say like Paul did, I entrust this area to you, God. I entrust this to you. And I don't know what that area is for you. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's a relationship. But we serve a God that we can trust. And it's safe to entrust our pain to him. That's right. Paul understood God's purpose to be that Paul would rely on God's power instead of on his own power. This is a hard lesson for me. This is a lesson that God has had to teach me multiple times because I like to be a hard worker. I like to be productive and efficient. And sometimes God has to remind me, hey, you are very frail. You are made of flesh and bones and bones can break. And, you know, God has a way of reminding us how frail we are and how much we need him. And this can feel like rejection from God. Can feel like rejection from God when God reminds us how much we need Him, but this is a gift. This is a gift from God. God speaks to Paul as Paul continues to pray that God will release him from this thing, and God says to Paul, He says, "My grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness." My grace is sufficient for you. His grace is enough to cover any situation you're in, and my power is made perfect. In weakness. Your weakness is not an obstacle to God working in your life. Your weakness is the key to God working in your life. Your effort and your success and your good behavior, that's not where you'll find Jesus. You're not going to find Jesus as a result of your good behavior or your hard work. You know where you find Jesus? It's at rock bottom. That's where you find Jesus. When you dug your way into a pit and you've made a mess out of your life, that's where Jesus is there waiting for you because there's nothing else you can offer. There's nothing else you have. There's no more effort you can give. That's where you find Jesus. Your weakness is what prepares you to receive the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Your vulnerability is what opens you to receive what Jesus has for you. We can't receive it if we're trying to do everything in our own power. In the last chapter of of Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, uh, chapter 13, verses 3 and 4, Paul says this to the church. Paul says, Christ is not weak when he deals with you. Christ is powerful Mm -hmm. among you. Although he was crucified in weakness, he now lives by the power of God. We too are weak. Paul is talking about himself as the apostle and the other pastors. He says, we pastors, we too are weak, just as Christ was. But when we deal with you, we will be alive in him and will have God's power. See, Christ's victory over sin and death was not in his own power, but it was submitting to God's power in his weakness. How much more is God's power evident in our own weakness? God's power in Christ's weakness brought the forgiveness of sins. And at the second coming, the resurrection of our bodies and eternal life. That's what God can do with weakness. God can change history through weakness. So what might he do with your weakness? What might you do with that situation in your life that's a thorn in your flesh that you can't seem to get deliverance from, that issue in your life that makes you feel weak? How might God's power be displayed in your weakness? The cross of Jesus Christ is a stark reminder that God works not in my ability or my talent or my efforts, but in my weakness. That's where God powers, God's power is found. The truth is that when I come to the end of my efforts, And when I'm backed into a corner and I have no way out, that's where Jesus is ready to meet me. That's where Jesus is ready to meet me in my moment of my greatest weakness. And what I've learned about Jesus is that brokenness is a gift because brokenness opens us to receive what he has for us. And we can make the choice when it comes to brokenness. We can choose to live in a place of brokenness and keep ourselves soft before the Lord and acknowledge our weakness, and acknowledge our reliance on him. But if we decide to kind of build a fortress around ourselves, God's going to break us because he loves us. God's going to bring brokenness to us if we don't engage in it ourselves. He does it because he loves us. He wants his power to be made evident in your life. Would you stand with me this morning? Hey, this is Kelly, lead pastor of The Bridge International Church. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from The Bridge. If you'd like more information about The Bridge, or if you'd like to get in touch with us, visit us at thebridgeparis.com.